Today's reading is taken from Ephesians 6, 18 to 20. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me, so that I, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fair, fearlessly, as I should. This is the word of God. Some, if you can keep your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 6. Oh, sorry, that should say Ephesians 6.18, not 4.18. One of my many broken swords. Let's pray that God will speak to us through this passage. Lord, we thank you so much for your love and grace that you have called us to be your people. And we thank you that as we come to you, we can find strength and might in you that we can equip ourselves with the armor that you provide for us. Lord, help us to be a church that's mighty, that is strong in your power, that with all the things that are going on around us, that we might be strong in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. According to the survey conducted in 2017 by Barna Group, these are some of the things that Americans, well, first of all, majority of Americans do pray, and these are some of the things that Americans pray for. 62% say they pray giving thanks to God. 61% say needs of the family. 49% personal guidance in crisis. 47% health and wellness. And 12% sleep, insomnia is a big problem. And I imagine that the topics that we pray, we pray for isn't all that different in Hong Kong. And I'm sure this past week you might have prayed for Hong Kong. Prayer is important. It's so important that out of the 155 verses in the letter to Ephesians, there are 155 verses, 31 of them, one-fifth of them is devoted to prayer, either talking about prayer or the prayer itself. And as Paul ends this letter, Ephesians, it's as if it, this, he, he thinks it's the most important thing. Towards the very end, he says, pray. Pray for the church. Pray for me. Pray. This week, churches in Hong Kong were united in prayer. We prayed for her, the young people. We prayed for the chief executive. We prayed for the future. We prayed for the police, those who were despairing. We prayed for those who were enforcing uh, the law, those who were hurting we prayed for peace. And at, extra, at extraordinary times like this, we naturally want to pray because we sense that actually the things that are happening is bigger than us. Things that are going on is bigger than us. It's sort of out of our control. We can only do so much. We can only march so much. We can only say so much. We can only share posts on Facebook so much that actually the one who can do anything, who can actually make a difference is God. And so we go to God and we pray. We have prayed this past week for our city and for the people around us. But brothers and sisters, there is something that is happening 
at all times. That is as chaotic and that does um, as much damage to all of us. There is a war happening around us. It's not fought with rubber bullets or tear gases. It's fought with these flaming arrows that are coming our way. It's not aimed at taking something away from this world. It's aimed at our souls to maim us, to take us away from the kingdom of God to his rule. Spiritual warfare is happening. And as important as the events of this past week have been in Hong Kong, we have to, as Christians, remind ourselves, as we have read, that our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. This is what Paul has been saying. Remember, he's in prison. There are things that are going on around him as well. And he says, actually, those things are happening right now. But our warfare, the most important war that we are fighting right now is this one, the spiritual warfare, the, the war that devil is waging against our soul and against the world. And we're told in verse 18, as we close this passage and as we close this series and end the letter to Ephesians, he says, stay alert by praying. Pray, verse 18. Pray. Could you imagine a soldier who's dressed, who donned all the equipment, right, that we've talked about, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, gospel shoes, uh, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit. You look at him and he's splendid and he's strong. He looks like he's ready to fight any battle. Imagine a soldier like that, equipped with all the spiritual armor, but he's sleeping. He's sleeping. All that he is on is useless because he's not alert, because he is sleeping. And Paul says, pray to stay alert. Stay alert. And praying is staying alert. And Jesus knew that. And Jesus knew the importance of prayer. Remember in the Garden, Garden of Gethsemane, what his instructions to John, James, and Peter was. He says in Matthew 26, 40, Watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. Watch and pray so that you will not uh, fall into temptation. Why did James, John, and Peter deny Jesus? Peter denied him three times that evening, that very evening. Why? When well, he was asleep. They all fell asleep. And remember what Jesus did. Jesus stayed praying until the very moment he was arrested. And he was able to face those who were arresting him. He was able to face the crucifixion, going to the cross with great courage because he stayed in touch with God, because he was praying, because he was alert. And that's what praying, in verse 18, in the Spirit means. The phrase, in the spirit, isn't uh, uh, talking about some sort of technique. It's not um, speaking in tongues. It's not uh, as if like some prayers are prayed in the spirit and other prayers are not. That's not what he's saying. All our prayers are said in the spirit. What that means is uh, that it's about being connected to the Father through the Son by the Spirit. It's praying with the confidence that whenever we pray in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit who connects us to the Father puts us right in front 
of God. That's what praying in the Spirit means, that we have this access to God, our Father, who's always ready to listen to us. Pray in the Spirit. It means pray. Pray with that confidence, knowing that you are in front of God. Remember, it's Father's Day. We read this verse. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. A spirit given by the Son makes God our Father. So we are to pray. We are to always be connected to Him in prayer. Friends, the thing is, we prayed this week because we felt like we needed to pray. And I think that's true for most of us. We won't pray until we feel like we need to pray. And I want you to know that there is a need to pray all the time, not just in extraordinary weeks like this, but every day. A nice thing about a wrestling match, I told you that the, the wrestling, our, 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 our fight, that, that word is wrestling, literally. Our wrestling, the nice thing about a wrestling match is that you wrestle against your own weight class. So when I was a freshman in high school, I was 119, I wrestled 119 pounds. I think I was 125 and I cut down to 119 to wrestle 119. Um, and then in my senior year, I wrestled 135, 135 pounds. And the thing is, the reason why they do that is because, you know, if you have 10 pounds of pure muscle, if one person has 10 pounds of pure muscle over you, it doesn't really matter how skilled you are. You're going to be outmatched. You're going to lose to this bigger guy, right? And friends, we are outmatched. In this spiritual warfare, we're all outmatched. The evil spiritual beings are more cunning and crafty than we are. He's more powerful than we are. The descendants of these demons in the Old Testament are called giants. They're giants. They're most, more evenly matched with angels, as we see in Daniel 10. He doesn't play fair. He's much bigger and scarier than us, but he picks, he engages us in spiritual battle. We must pray. Remember Jesus. Jesus prayed all the time. Even the Son of God, the Son who was one with the Father, prayed all the time. And it wasn't because he wasn't, he was, um, somehow he had a lot of time. You know, Hong Kong people, I, we, we know that we're busy. And we, we know that we find it difficult to pray. But remember, Jesus, Jesus was busy. Remember how he made time to pray. The only way at times where he could pray was when he removed himself from the crowd. Once he, there's this huge crowd that follows him. And the only way that he gets to pray is he gets on a boat and goes to the other side of the lake because he wants to pray. He prays in the middle of the night. He prays in the morning. He makes time to pray. The Son of God prays because he's fighting the spiritual battle. But how much more? Us. How much more do we need to pray as we fight the spiritual battle? Friends, we are outmatched by ourselves, but not with God. Not when we are connected to God. Not when we are strong and mighty in his power. Not when we are, are um, clad with spiritual armor. 
So failing to pray is not just failing to obey some religious rule. Failing to pray is not recognizing ourselves right, as helpless people who need to pray. It's right, not recognizing God who is able to uh, destroy the evil powers, who's able to make us strong in his might and in his strength. That's what failing, failing to pray means. And you can see the sense of urgency, can't you, in verse 18. Verse 18, he repeat, 18 and 19, he repeats the word all four times. Four times. He says, pray on all occasions. All kinds of prayers. All perseverance, which is translated in IV as always. And for all the Lord's people. Pray for in all occasions, always. You wake up in the morning, pray. You're about to eat breakfast, pray. You're about to go, you're in the train on the MTR on the way to work, close your eyes and pray. You're about to meet your clients, pray. You're about to write the support, pray. You're about to go to sleep, pray. Pray on all occasions, pray always. Pray all kinds of prayers. And if you don't know how to pray, uh, people say all kinds of prayers, right? Uh, Acts, A-C-T-S. Pray the prayer of adoration. Adore God, thank Him and praise Him. Pray the prayer of confession. Pray, confess your sins before God. Pray the prayer of thanksgiving. Thank God for the things that God has given you. Pray the prayers of supplication. Ask things from God. Pray alone. Pray quietly in your mind. Pray with other people. Pray in tongue. Pray in whatever way that you can. Pray all the time. And we are to also then to pray for each other. Pray for all the Lord's people. Pray for all of the saints and pray for me, Paul says. All the things that you've heard in this past week can seem somewhat individualistic, right? It's, it sounds like we are to go to God uh, for his strength and his power by ourselves. It sounds like we are to uh, put the armor, spiritual armor on by ourselves. It can sound individualistic, that we are to do these things individually. But of course, all the you in this passage, I mean, all of Ephesians is you plural. It's not you individual. It's you, the church. And if you know anything about Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, letter to Ephesians is about how glorious the church is, how God is creating a new humanity in the church. God is bringing all sorts of people out there and making one humanity, new community in the church through the power of the Spirit. And the spiritual battle is fought, it should be fought with others, with the church around you, with the people who are ne sitting next to you, people that you meet with. We don't put spiritual armors on so that I can withstand the evil one. We can put, we, we put our spiritual armors on so that we can withstand the evil one so that we can stand firm. And you know this picture of the army standing side by side, locked arms with the shield in the front and over the heads, withstanding, right? The flaming arrows that are coming our way. And what better expression of our camaraderie than to pray for one another? Paul says, pray for all the Lord's people. What do you pray for? What do you pray for? How much of your prayer life revolves around you? How much of it revolves around the church? 
revolves around the people that are sitting next to you. If the survey results are any guide, most people pray for themselves. Pray for their, praying for their health, praying for their guidance, pray for people who are very close to them. But God has put us together as a church together, as soldiers together in his army. We're here together joined as brothers and sisters, as uncles and aunties, as sons and daughters. We are to care for each other. We are to pray for each other. And if you don't know how to pray for each other, join a links group. If you don't know another person to pray for, go downstairs today and ask somebody, how can I pray for you? As you are sipping tea, ask them, this week I commit to praying for you. How can I pray for you? Ask them. And if you don't know how to pray for the church, we should be praying for the church. Come to the prayer meeting. You know, I'm, I'm supposed to, as a pastor, time to time rebuke the church. Man, I want to do that now. I, I, I do this with heavy heart. But friends, you need to come to prayer meetings. You need to come to pray. You need to pray for the church. We need to pray together as God's army here in Shatin Church. We need to pray for others around you. God has put us together for this reason. Come and pray. Come and pray with us. And we need to pray for the church in the middle of all that is going on in Hong Kong. Because the devil would love it. The devil would love it if we forgot to pray for the church and the church becomes divided over this issue. Wouldn't the devil love it? if we are bickering against one another about these issues, that we forgot that the gospel is the most important thing, that we forgot that we're citizens of the kingdom of God first and foremost, that God has brought all these people together as one family in Christ Jesus. Wouldn't the devil love it? So we need to pray. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray for the church. Watch out. And be alert because there is a spiritual battle going on. And the devil will use whatever that is going on to break us, to have us lose sight of God's mission for us. And pray also for your leaders. Paul asks, pray also for me. And if you could picture Paul, if you could picture Paul um, with your spiritual eyes, he would be magnificent, right? He would have this helmet on with the big plume, right, uh, denoting his rank. You would see his breastplate and the shield of faith, and it would be dented with war scars, but he remains strong. His shoes are always cleaned, right, grounded in the gospel of peace, ready to be deployed wherever uh, he's, uh, he's called to go. The sword of the Spirit, you would see it glimmer, as he wields the word of God so deftly, you would think, wow, there's a man who can fight the spiritual battle. There's a man who can fight the devil, maybe even by himself. But Paul doesn't think that. Paul knows that in the face of the devil, he is helpless just like anybody else. So he humbly asks for prayer. Pray for me. Pray also for me because he knows he cannot do it by himself. He needs prayers. Charles Spurgeon was a 19th century Baptist preacher in London who had this powerful ministry, a tremendous ministry that we talk about him, we quote him right now in the 21st century. But this is what he said about his ministry in the church. The sinew of the minister's strength under God is the supplication of his church. 
We can do anything and everything if we have a praying people around us. But when our dear friends and fellow helpers cease to pray, the Holy Ghost hasten to depart, and Ichabod, which means no glory, is written on the place of assembly. What can we do without your prayers? They link us to the omnipotence of God. Like lightning rod, they pierce the clouds and bring down the might and mysterious power from on high. The sinew of the minister's strength is the supplication of his church. He says, what can we do without your prayers? I know that in the church, people will talk about many things. You know, people talk about what goes on in the church. We'll talk about um, Niels and me and other people. It's all fine, and, and I, 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 I love getting constructive criticisms from everybody. That's, that's all fine. But would you pray for us as well? Would you pray for us as well? Would you pray for the church committee as well? We cannot fight this battle on our own. Pray for us. Pray for us. And if you ask, what should we pray for? Well, let's keep reading. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given, given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul frequently asks for prayers at the end of his letter. It happens in a letter to Romans, Ephesians, Colossians, Thessalonians, the first and second. And every time, except one, he prays, he asks for prayers for the gospel to be advanced. That's quite striking. Remember, he's in prison. He's in prison, he's in his house arrest, uh, but he doesn't pray for his health. He doesn't pray for provision. He doesn't even pray that God would free him from his prison cell. Right? He asks for the gospel to be freely proclaimed, fearlessly and openly proclaimed. Pray that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. That's an amazing thing for me as I think about it, right? Because most of us pray for all sorts of things that we are going through. This is not one of the prayers that we often pray for, that we will fearlessly make known the gospel of Jesus. But Paul does it because he knows who he is. He is an ambassador. He is an ambassador of Christ. Ambassador is a person who represents his government. Ambassador is somebody who speaks for the king, for the emperor, for the queen. Ambassador is uh, somebody who speaks on their behalf, and that's who he is. That message that he carries defines who he is. And no matter where he is, he wants to speak on behalf of Jesus Christ, as an ambassador of Christ. And the thing is, we too are ambassadors. We too are made ambassadors of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5.20, he says, we, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors. We are ambassadors. The letter to Ephesians is uh, about this amazing thing that God has done for us, how he has chosen us and transferred us from the kingdom of the prince of this world to his kingdom, how he gave us every spiritual blessing, how he has created a new humanity where the boundaries that we have made are erased, and we're made one family, 
And as God called each one of us, he gives us, gives us a promotion. <laughs> he makes us ambas- ambassadors of Christ. Sent out with the message of reconciliation to the world. We're sent into the world to declare in words and in deeds, as we have um, said in, uh, as we renewed our baptismal vows this morning, to declare the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're sent into the world to bring people from the kingdom of the prince of this world to, into Jesus' kingdom. We're sent into the world to declare the endless love of Jesus Christ that frees us from the power of sin and death from evil to life and fullness of life. And the evil one, the rulers of this world, will, f- will tirelessly oppose this work. Paul was imprisoned. He was flocked, snake-bitten, stoned, shipwrecked. You know, some of this, I'm sure, that just happened, but some of it, I'm sure, was the work of the devil. And so Paul says, Paul asks for prayers. Pray that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of Christ. And that's not an easy thing for him. And it's not, it should not be easy for us. We need to pray for this to happen. So will you commit? Once again, I ask for your commitment to pray for the church. Pray for each other. Pray to, for us to make known the mystery of the gospel fearlessly as we go out into the world today and tomorrow. Pray. Uh, but I know that th- there might be people who go, well, I'm not sure. Like, I, 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 th- this sounds nice, but I actually don't know. I'm not convicted enough. If you turn to chapter 3, at the end of chapter 3, there is a prayer that I'd love for you to then pray for. If you're unconvinced, if you don't have this fire to speak God's word, to preach the gospel to the ends of the world, could you pray this prayer for yourself and for others in our church? Ephesians chapter 3, 16 to 19. Paul says, this is his prayer for Ephesians. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Pray that we would know the love of God, that we would be so steeped in the love of God that no matter where we are, no matter whatever the situation we're facing, this is the message we want to tell other people. We're so brimming with God's love that this is the message we wanted to deliver to people, whether that's in our workplace or in prison. And we've seen many young people, many people in Hong Kong willing to sacrifice this past week. Whatever you think of the politics, I think it's admirable that they're willing to give themselves for a greater cause. And actually, that is what we're meant to do. And when I look at all the young people in Hong Kong who, who seem to have this sense of hopelessness, sense of despair, I want to hold out the message of the gospel to them. I want to say to them, there is a bright future. 
It's the one that Jesus has brought. It's the one that you need to hold off. Please pray that we would be ambassadors of this message to the world around us. Please pray that we would lose our small ambitions, petty ambitions, small goals for our life, for the ambition of the gospel. At this end of a um, letter, one commentator uh, writes, uh, sees a great irony in this last section. Because he's chained in the gospel. He's, he, he's chained. Yeah? And he writes, on, this festival occasions, on festival occasions, ambassadors wear such chains to reveal the riches, the power, and dignity of the government that they represent. Because Paul serves Christ crucified, he considers the painful iron prison chains as most appropriate insignia for the representation of his Lord. I don't know if he ca caught that. You know, ambassadors sometimes, like British ambassadors or whatnot, they, they sometimes wear these chains to, that shows the power and the glory of the government that they represent. The chain that Paul is wearing right now as the ambassador of Christ is the prison chains. You know how that, how that shows God's glory? Because it shows his sacrifice. Because it shows God's love for the people. It shows that no other powers has a hold and grip over him but the love of Christ only. You can feel that power, can't you? Power that makes him unconcerned about the outward situation. Power that makes him primarily concerned for the gospel. I don't know what Paul would have worn you know, in his daily life. But once again, if we could see him with spiritual eyes, he would be clad with the belt and the breastplate and the shoes and helmet shield and the sword. And he's alert and he's praying. He's strong and he's mighty in the Lord. And he prays not to be set free, but for the gospel to go freely from his prison cell. Against such a person, against such prayers, what can the devil do? What can the devil do? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the reality that you have opened our eyes to. The reality of the spiritual warfare. The devil that is prowling like a lion. The devil that is shooting the flaming arrows at us, at the church, in our individual faith. Lord, help Shatin Church to be a church that is strong and mighty in you. Help Shatin Church not to be individuals who do their own thing, but be a church that prays for each other, that is united in the gospel together, that is on the same mission to go out, to bring the message of hope to the world about us. Lord, help us to be a church that is strong in your might and power. And Lord, help us to be a praying church praying on all occasions, all kinds of prayers, always for all the Lord's people. Help us to be a church that's connected to you, that shows the mighty power to the world around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.